Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Peter Dowdell of the theirishgardener.com uh, joining us on a huge amount of questions in for Peter. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm not too bad. Certainly not the, the sunny day for being out in the garden, but when I was moaning about the rain uh, yesterday or on Monday, somebody said, but isn't it great for the gardens? Well, we'd be lost without it, wouldn't we? Mm. <laughs> but if mm. the temperatures would just start to increase now, I'd be happy. It's cold for June. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Met Erin is saying it's below for this time of year. I think it's to pick up a little bit tomorrow, so fingers crossed. OK, I'm going to go straight into questions. Um, you spoke last week about a beer trap for slugs in the garden. Mairead wants to know, what did you mean by a beer trap? OK, yeah, well, it's one of the it's one of the ways of dealing with what is our most common pest problem in the garden, and not just in Ireland, but in this part of the world, England and Ireland. By, by a far, in a way, the biggest pest problem we face is slugs and snails. So what I was talking about last week was a lot of the slug pellets, unfortunately, the majority of slug pellets that are on sale contain an active ingredient called metaldehyde, which is highly toxic to slugs, obviously, but also to the natural predators like birds and hedgehogs, and even it goes further, uh, domestic pets children, ourselves, humans, it's toxic to all of us. So I would uh, strongly urge, and even use stronger words, <laughs> to encourage not pe- people not to use any pellets containing metaldehyde, because they're far too toxic to be to be putting into our gardens and into our own, you know, if we're growing our own food, to be putting into the food circle. So do avoid them. Uh, take that 10 seconds in a garden centre to look at the active ingredients in the slug pellet. If it says metaldehyde, leave it behind you. There are other slug pellets on the market containing ferric phosphate, which is iron phosphate, just as effective with slugs and snails, uh, but not at all damaging to, to the, the environment around it. And one of the other ways to control slugs and snails is by using beer traps. Now, what that is, you can actually buy the, the preformed traps in a garden centre uh, and just fill them with beer. And what you do is, or you can make your own, uh, you know, the, the yogurt containers and um, mm. fish that would have the plant, not the tiny ones, but you know, the larger ones that have the kind of yeah, plastic lid. Yeah, the half them. a litre ones, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you get one of them and just don't make holes in the lid, but make holes on the side of it up at the top, okay? Just a, a hole big enough for a slug or a snail to get in. Uh, fill it with beer, about half full, 
So the, the beer will, the, the scent of the beer will attract the, the slugs and snails. They'll go in, they'll drown, they'll die a happy death, I have no doubt. <laughs> um, but because the lid is still on, they're not then uh, available to the birds or to surrounding wildlife, even though uh, alcohol in that formulation, to the best of my knowledge, uh, isn't toxic to, to surrounding to wildlife. Right, yeah. um, so that's what I'm talking about. To make your own using an old yogurt container or similar, uh, you, the, the the top of the beer trap, whether it's shop bought or homemade, should be kind of at soil surface. It's, so if you can understand what I mean, that the, the hole that you make in the yogurt container should be just at the surface of the soil, so the slug can easily walk into it. Okay, and uh, Maureen and Clonakilty, along with others, I have to say, have contacted to say the rhubarb isn't doing too well this year. Uh, Maureen was the one wondering, could you put farmyard uh, manure on it? But other people just looking for advice. Have you noticed that rhubarb isn't doing too well this year? Well, you, you could put farmyard manure in it, but it, it actually even responds, I think, better to a good seaweed feed. And I would have to agree, I have never, ever in all my years at this game... Uh, had so many questions about rhubarb and I was putting a lot of them down and we've had this question several times in your programme over the last week uh, and I was, you know, advising people which is, I suppose, the textbook advice, if you like, to lift the crowns in the autumn, winter, uh, or the rhubarb stools, and divide them and replant them, give them a good, rich feed, uh, or a mulch even with a good seaweed feed at that time of the year, or the nature-safe granule, or something like that, because they are they do respond well to feeding. But you know what? There's been so many questions. The only thing I can put it down to is the exceptional summer last year. I think it must be a result of the drought we had last year that the rhubarb isn't thriving, because it's, it's not just that I'm getting a lot of questions about rhubarb, it's I'm nearly being stopped in Dunn stores to be asked about the rhubarb. Yeah, it's too so coincidental. In fact, think, in, fact, yeah. in fact, I think I have been stopped <laughs> in stores to ask about rhubarb. So it, it, it does far too many queries for it to be, as you say, coincidental. I think it must be a result of the drought last year. So the advice I would give to anyone is what I said at the start there, lift them in the autumn, uh, divide them. They will always respond well to that anyway. Replant them then immediately uh, and mulch. Give them, a, give them a good mulch with farmyard manure if you want or else a good, even seaweed from the beach or a good seaweed feed. Okay, can you quickly name the liquid lawn feed that you spoke about last week? A listener missed it. Oh, that was somebody who was on looking for a short, sharp shock solution, yeah. if you like. So the instant green, uh, instant green, it, it does exactly what it says in the tin. I've used it myself. Uh, it greens up the lawn. It, it doesn't give it any, it doesn't have really great long-term effects, but it's chelated iron. It'll give the, it'll green up the grass instantly over 24 hours. And because there's an iron content in it, it will also... It doesn't advertise itself as this, but I've seen it from experience. It does also kill any moss in the garden because of the iron content. And from Bantry, I have a wild rose with lots of buds. I planted it from a slip two years ago. It's growing on a ditch. This year, it's spread out a lot and it's now growing onto the grass. Should I cut it back? Cutting it back over ground isn't going to do anything except encourage more more sideways growth, if you like. So letting it grow up isn't, isn't a problem, but... This is what this is why I suppose they're wild, if you like, because they are vigorous to the point of nearly being invasive. Now they're gorgeous wild roses; they're stunning, but you do need to have them in the right place. So, in other words, you do need to have them somewhere where you're happy for them to cut, take over the area. Um, if they start interfering with your lawn, what, what I suggest nearly if take it out of the ditch and put it somewhere else where it has more space, because this is going to be a, a constant battle if you leave it where it is. You're going to be constantly cutting it out from the lawn. But you're not cutting it overground, you're cutting it underground. So you're, you're cutting the roots. Um, you, you could do it now, it's better to do it during the winter. Just go down with a sharp spade uh, and, and cut straight down, lift the, the, the clumps that are growing through the lawn, because they'll have developed their own root system. Uh, it's not enough just to sever them from the parent plant, they'll grow on their own. So you need to cut the roots and lift out the ones that are growing in the lawn.
if you can at all. A very brave person. A Douglas listener says, I collect my slugs in my garden and I take them for a walk to a nearby woods. Um, Hi Peter I've lots of buds on my roses but some of them are not opening they just look wet and rotting I have sprayed for black spot and green fly earlier what would Peter think? Well just going back to the Douglas sister he or she is doing the absolute right thing of course Oh I know it's just the idea of picking up the slugs Yeah I do it it myself for what it's worth but yeah Um, anyway uh, yeah, no, it's, it's spraying for green fly and that. I would, number one, I wouldn't encourage to spray for green fly and that because you don't know what, a lot of those insecticides are doing an awful lot of harm, uh, particularly to the bee population, which we don't want to be doing. Um, and also, it's completely futile, unfortunately, because this isn't an insect problem; it's, it's a fungal problem. Um, so you're putting on insecticide there unnecessarily and unfortunately, possibly damaging the environment around you. So just be careful what you are putting on in the first place. This is this. Bud rot, it's called rosebud rot. It's it's fungal and it's caused, unfortunately, by the low temperatures and, and moist weather we're having at the moment. I would say the best thing you can do, and you probably won't listen, probably won't like this advice, but is to, to cut off any of the buds and the growing shoots that have rotten buds on them uh, and dump them. And spray with a solution of copper sulfate mixed with water, which is a good broad-spectrum organic fungicide, uh, and, and feed them with the Goulding's Rose Hoot just to encourage more flower shoots. You will get more flowers, don't worry. Uh, but I would, the, the fungal infection that gets into the bud rot or to cause the bud rot is also going to weaken the plant. So it is important really to, get rid of to prune off the infected get rid of and feed them. And, and Mary McCroom says, uh, could you ask Peter, do I need to dilute the water that I soaked nettles in a few weeks ago before I put it on my plants? I would say yes. It's a difficult, any homemade remedy like that, it's difficult to give exact advice um, uh, because it, it depends on the strength. So obviously it would depend, if you want to get very technical, it would depend on how many kilos of, of nettles you used per litre of water. So a good rule of thumb, I would say, is the solution that you have made, I would dilute it up to 10 to 1 with water and then feed away. Okay, Becky in Ballydehab has tomato plants. The leaves are rolling back. The plants have fallen over. They're dark in colour, but the plants never grew tall. I wonder, when she says the leaves are rolling, I just wonder, are they fall, they, they, a lot of them, sorry, a lot of them will fall over if they're not staked. So it could be it could be as simple as that, just a bamboo with some twine. Uh, a lot of them then are like particularly the tumbling varieties and a lot of the cherry varieties will will their natural habit isn't to grow tall, it's to grow kind of bushy and, and to tumble, to trail. Uh so it dep- does depend on the variety, that might be the answer. If the leaves the bit I'd be concerned about is the leaves going back. If the leaves she says they're dark in colour, which is good. Like if they look healthy enough, except just that they're growing they're falling over. the wrong way, yeah. then then yeah. you're probably okay. But if the leaves are looking anyway hungry or sick, you know, tomatoes can, can suffer from blight, the same type of blight as potatoes, and it's quite common and it's normally caused by too much or too little water. Um, but I would expect her to be telling me that if that was the case, I would expect the, the caller to be saying that the leaves are showing a bit of yellowing or the leaves aren't healthy. The fact that they're saying the leaves are dark green, I think it might be just the type of tomato that they're yeah. growing. Hang in there, hang in there. Where's Sean in Bantry? has a different issue. He set potatoes about six to eight weeks ago when they grew up the stalks turned black. They were rotten. It's the second time that it has happened. What is the cause? Could it be frost or blight or is it too cold for blight? There has been blight warnings and the way he's describing it does sound like blight. Uh, it also sounds like frost but it's too late. We haven't really had frost in the last number of weeks. So 
uh, I without seeing it, it's difficult to say for certain, but I would my my gut would tell me it's blight. Um, frost will will send the growing tips black, um, but you wouldn't expect particularly at this time of the year in the last few weeks for it to send to turn all the stalks black. What turns all the stalks black like that uh, and rots them is is potato blight. I'm afraid. Okay, and Willie in Liscarrel has an oak tree in his garden. Uh, one is 50 years old. The leaves have gone very scarce. It looks like it's dying. He said there there are some leaves on the branches, but only a few, while the other oak trees in the garden are fine. Doesn't sound good. Where, where is Willie, is his name? Where, yeah, in, li- in, in Liscarrel. Liscarrel. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like to, to hazard a guess on that over the radio without seeing it. I would okay. say... I would say get a, a, a qualified arborist down to Liz Carroll, Neil Vaughan, who I use at the base of that part of the world. Uh, I would get on to somebody like Neil, ask him to have a look at it, or, or any qualified you know, arborist that you can trust. There'll be a charge, but... Um, For a 50-year-old tree, it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth, absolutely worth yeah. it. Unfortunately, there are, there are particularly phytophthora, there are some that will cause uh, sudden oak uh, death, so... It's worth getting somebody to look at that, I'm afraid. I, okay. I couldn't hazard a, an answer. Over the fall. That's yeah. perfect. Sheila in Bohabui. When is the best time to transplant flame of the forest plant? It's gone too big for where it's pleasant, pre- presently growing. And what would be the best manure to put on laurel? It's the ordinary green laurel. It's got very yellow in appearance. That was planted two years ago. The first is okay. the flame of the forest. The flame of the forest, stunning plant, but it does get quite big. Yeah, it, it can get to kind of eight, nine feet and, and even more. Uh, the best time to move it, the only time really that I'd advise moving it is during the month of January when it should be totally dormant. Any evergreen shrub like that, really, I'd leave off till January when hopefully the ground is frozen, the plant has gone totally fast asleep for the winter. So it has a chance to repair any root damage caused during the move. Um, so I would do it in January, cut it back hard around about the same time. I'd nearly cut it back by about 50%. Um, get as big a root ball as possible, have the new hole waiting for it so it's not out of the ground at any time of the year, uh, and then water it well next summer um, because you have damaged a lot, you will damage a lot of the root system. Um, it's unavoidable, so do keep it well watered. A, a good mulch with a good rich compost can be homemade or shop-bought or, or farmer manure, anything, give it a good mulch uh, and keep it well watered next year. Doing all that, uh, you still have to qualify it by saying there is still quite a substantial risk that is it won't survive the transplant but that's the only way to try it okay um, with the with the, the laurel just yeah. on that one uh, maybe maybe a mulch of farmyard manure as well would work there or any kind of good homemade compost it, it, yellowing is caused either by nitrogen or magnesium deficiencies it's a bit hungry or it could also have been caused by last year's drought it's only two years old so it's very possible still suffering from last year this year looks like it's going to cure it all on its own um, another the, the granular nature safe feed which I which I've been recommending is, is the plant based one which is a very good one. Just if you do, if you rather get something like that as opposed to a, a mulch or a manure, that would do a very good job as well. Okay, Margaret in Mallow, very quickly, violas in a window box, they keep getting some kind of fungus and then they droop and break off easily. What is the reason yeah. for this? It happened yeah, last year. I'd say if I asked her are there black spots in the leaves and she'd tell me yes. Uh, it, 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 it's a fungal infection specific to violas and pansies. It's viola black spot, and it, 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 I'm afraid incurable once you get it. And more often than not, and I'm not going to ask her where she got it because that wouldn't be fair because it could, could be from any garden centre or any shop in the country. Uh, more often than not, you'll you get it, you'll buy them with it. Um, and that's it, 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 next to impossible for the garden centre or the nursery to, to spot it until it starts showing the black spots. But if you're looking for violas in a garden centre, make sure you don't buy any that have 
kinds of yellow leaves or black spots because once they have it, you can't fix it, I'm afraid. And Jim has sent in a stunning photograph of a photograph from his garden with an arch which has red and white roses. Red on one side, white on the other side. The red come out every year, but he said the white ones only come out every three years and it's normally a sign of a bad summer. Oh. He said, we're having a bad summer and he sent me a picture it's full of, full of white roses. Isn't piece. nature funny? Isn't nature funny? Have you seen that? He's wondering, have you seen that before where, where rose, roses, the red one comes out every year but the white one every three years? Is I that have unusual? Seen, yeah, but to say that it's definitely every three years, I would say, is very unusual. I have seen it certainly with roses that they don't flower every year, but I could never say for definite that they do every second or third or fourth year. So that, that is interesting. No, I can't say I've ever seen that for definite, no. OK, all right. Do you uh, want to give a quick mention to something that's coming up? Yes, well, I'll mention it again next week, but it's on the 22nd. So it's Saturday week. I'll be up in what was the Blackwater Garden Centre, Trish, which many people will know. It's outside Yall on the road to Dungarvan, a fabulous garden centre. Well, Claren Bridge Garden Centre, which is based in Galway, in Claren Bridge, obviously enough, have taken it over this year. And I've been up there and it, they've really done a fantastic job. It looks super, really, really super now. Uh, and I'll be up there on Saturday, the 22nd at 12 o'clock, uh, and I'll be talking, uh, designing with plants. So g- giving some tips on how to get the best out of the garden by using plants, showing colours, colour colour combinations, how to use texture and structure and that so that so that the garden doesn't end up too chaotic. Just a few tips to make plants work together and all the time obviously being um being mindful of promoting biodiversity and the good guys in the garden. Okay, biodiversity, that's what it's all about. We leave it there. Have a good have a good run. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Thanks Peter. Way. That's uh, Peter Dowd with the Irishgardener.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.